Morn has always said, church should be a glorious chaos. And isn't it a glorious chaos? It's lovely just to know that actually we can't plan things and God's in control. And we can just trust that God is going to have His way always. And that we will be in step with Him. So let me just pray and then um, we'll dive right into it. Father God, thank you um, that your word is powerful. And that by your word, so much is accomplished including our salvation. And we pray again that your word will go out tonight and find fertile soil, that the seed will land in hearts ready to receive it, and that it will grow, bringing fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold by your mighty power. In Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, as all things considered, I wanted to speak about worry. And let's just start with a scripture on worry. Let's just dive right into it. And let's start with Luke 12, uh, verses 22 onwards. And I'll look for my wife who's going to smile at me and remind me to speak softly and slowly and calmly. There we go. (laughs) All right. I've still got eyes. I can read at the back. Let's go with that. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes, or clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as a... Do as small a thing as that. Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like any of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where, neither thief, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll read uh, the same storyline. Story is also in the other Gospels. I'll read the section just from Matthew 6, uh, 33. It ends like this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
So who of you, having read this passage before, most of you have seen this passage before, and I assume like most of you, you've read it and you've gone, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to worry. I'll stop doing that. And that was it. You stopped worrying. Yes? There we go. You guys did that? Yeah? Brilliant. Can you come speak? Tell us how. (laughs) Just stop worrying. Okay. I think it's a bit of a kuna matata. We can uh, have a life of no worries. It's the the trouble-free philosophy. Okay. Or maybe this song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. You can just sing and chant that the whole day. But if any of you or some of you are like me, I still worry. I still experience anxiousness. Even though the scripture is quite clear, don't. But I still do. And it's funny where these things come up. Um, For the first time in my life, I did a physical. I had to go do uh, the blood tests and go get all the tests done, wait for the results, do a stress ECG, go get my heart rate up. And between doing the tests and getting the results, there's a time gap. And the mind does strange things on you. I was healthy when I went in, but now I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> They're doing all these things. I'm going, oh, what the result's going to be? What's going to happen? And the mind just takes you in weird places. And um, it can be even worse if you've done tests that you actually know what, where there's a lump, there's something. I need to, the pharmacy needs to go test, oh, the, the, like, take it out for blood works. And those tests take a while. What is it? Is it cancerous cells? Is it malicious? What do we need to do? Your mind plays tricks on you. And we all worry. But let's see what the antidote is. Let's see what the life of Christ and living according to His will actually looks like. So that we can identify these moments, take those thoughts captive, and put them subjugated to Christ. So let's dive right in. Firstly, that scripture starts there with, in verse 22, it says, And He said to His disciples, Therefore, I tell you. Now, anyone that's done any Bible training will tell you, therefore, is important because it refers to what was just said. So you need to get the context of what was said. So me being a good student, I went and looked at the context or what was just being said. So let me give you a brief overview of chapter 12, just so we all know the context of what was being said. So uh, verse 4, it it comes up with, um, have no fear. We shouldn't have any fear because we, are, we can just rely, um, we shouldn't have fear of the world because the world can destroy us, but that's not no concern. We should have fear of what can destroy the spirit because that is of importance. So what can destroy the body, don't worry about it. What can st- destroy the spirit, that you should worry about. It then goes on to say, um, if you acknowledge Christ before men, he will acknowledge you before the Father. And if you don't acknowledge Christ before men, he will not acknowledge you before the Father. What's that got to do about worrying? I'm not sure, but let's move on. A nice little trinket in the middle there. It says, if you get caught before the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious rulers, don't worry, do not fear. Why? The Holy Spirit will give you what to say in that hour. Just a little note there. In that hour means he's not going to give you a whole preparation two weeks before the time. He'll give it to you in that hour. No preparation required. Also, that makes me worried because is it going to come through in the last moment? And then before the the verse, the the parable just preceding this one, it's the parable about the rich young ruler who had a good life, had a good crop, everything was going well, and he thought to himself, 
I'll build, more, I'll build bigger barns. I'll store all the good stuff, and I'll enjoy and be merry and have the years of plenty. And God says to him, you fool. Tonight your soul will be required of you. And what will become of your wealth? It will be given to somebody else. And then Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious. So there's a context of what is coming by. He's speaking about there are stresses and strains in life, but your perspective must be important. Are you going to be looking at the godly, heavenly stuff, or are you going to be looking at the worldly, earthly stuff? Are you going to rely on God, or are you going to rely on self? So now he dives in deeper. He says, do not be anxious about anything, what you'll eat, nor your body, and what we'll do. For life is more than this. And God is trying to focus us on looking above and not below. Because the reality is, you are going to have stresses and strains in this life. At the end, he says, for tomorrow can worry about itself, for today has enough troubles of today. Being a life of no worries is not a life without stresses and strains. It's not a life without troubles or problems. It's a life of a different perspective on those problems and on those issues. It's a life where God is in control of those problems. Um, and it's a life contrasting worries or, contra or walk of faith. So do we walk by faith or do we walk by sight? A nice example of this one is when the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. They're crossing the sea and the storm comes up. And the disciples, being the usual characters that they are, become anxious, become fearful. They see the storm and they become frightened. And where's Jesus at this moment? Who recalls when the storm happens? Sleeping. He's in, the best, he's in the front of the boat relaxing. And the disciples wake him up and go, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? The storm's coming. We're going to drown. Jesus rebukes the storm and says of them, ye of little faith. The disciples at that moment in time didn't realize where, who they were with. They didn't realize and understand that Jesus has authority of everything. So they look at the authority of the world. They see the storm. They see the reality of that. They've got past experiences of that. And that's all their focus is on. Yet Jesus is above all of that and says, if you have faith, you'll see far more than what you can see in the natural eyes. So, why is worrying a problem? Why is this one of the things Jesus wants to address in our lives? Why should we not worry? Well, one of the obvious reasons is our health. <laughs> if you stress about worrying, if you worry about your health, you'll get more unhealthy. And worry just is a negative impact on our health. And it can really get severe and put you into a negative spiral. Physically, it just can ruin you with excessive worry. You can be consumed by worry. Another reason is it changes your focus from the now to the tomorrow. Or as my wife put it, worry is fantasizing in the negative. <laughs> All right. I don't think our worries are glorious and beautiful and we look forward to them. It's literally fantasizing in the negative. And we're spending time on a potential future that might never exist. But the other thing that worry does, it takes our focus off the kingdom and puts it on the world. And for me, I think that's the biggest reason why Jesus is addressing, addressing this 
is to change where our focus is. Are we going to put our focus on the storm or are we going to put our focus onto Jesus? And that, I think, is what's robbing us the most of when we allow worry to rule in our lives. So how do we actually change this? Because worries are going to come. Just like all other temptations come in our lives, we have to deal with this and we have to take an action. Now, my default when worry comes is I become the ostrich and put my head in the sand. <laughs> I deny it. I go into fatalistic mode and I pretend it's not going to happen. I get distracted. I procrastinate and sort of hope it's going to go away all by itself. And of course, that just makes it worse. <laughs> because there's small things you can do to uh, dive into it. I don't do that. So I just get ignore the problem and try and distract myself with YouTube or potentially food, and it just gets worse. So that's my approach to worry. I can't recommend it. My wife has the complete opposite approach. She takes action. She's going to start making plans. So she's got a plan A and B and C ready. And provided there's enough time, we can go all the way to FGH and, and keep, just keep going. But one of them is going to work out somewhere along the line. <laughs> who identifies with that approach? The planners? We've got a couple of planners. And who identifies with ostrich? Let's just ignore it. Thank you. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. But neither is good. Neither is what God wants for us. I think what was clearly stated here from God is we need to focus on today. And both of those approaches divorce us from what's happening today. The planner is looking into tomorrow and making all sorts of options available that only a fraction of them will be used. The denier, myself, is not even taking care of, but what can I do today? I'm not taking action for what I'm responsible in today. And both are walking away from what God, the calling of God on our lives. Was Jesus worried at any point in time? The one word I looked up was anxious, do not be anxious. And Jesus was anxious. In the garden of Gethsemane, before, the night before he was crucified, he was anxious. But the scripture reads as follows. Let me find that one. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the, gro to the ground around him. Down, down to the around, ground. Okay, let's repeat that. <laughs> to the ground. There we go. Thank you. So Jesus' response to agony was neither of the two options I described earlier. Jesus' response to agony, to worry, to distress, was to seek the Lord more earnestly. To seek the kingdom first. And then he responds with, but not my will be done, your will be done. So he changes his perspective. He sees in the natural what's going to happen to him. He's, he knows that cross is coming. He sees the pain. He knows the problem is coming. But in the supernatural... He sees in faith what God's going to do through it. And he can lift his gaze in faith and going, but God's will be done, not my own. And that perspective changes everything. Another verse will say, in the light of his glory, everything else becomes strangely dim. 
we can make mole mountains out of molehills because that's where our focus is on. But if we can focus our light onto Him and to His kingdom and seeking Him first, all these things will be added unto you. Let me give you a couple of other verses that focus on that dynamic. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's Psalm 37.5. How about this one? If I can find it. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. There you go. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that what we want instead of worry? To have the peace of God rule in our hearts. So what's the recipe? It is to focus on His will first, to seek Him first. It's not denying that we're anxious. It's not denying that there are problems. It's not denying that things can be hard. However, it is putting them at the feet of someone who can do something about it. The correct person. So why do we take control ourselves? Why don't we do that? Well, some of it is because we believe we're in control. We believe we are the right one to solve the problem. Now, to some, some, some measure, we are responsible. But we're responsible as servants of God in that environment. So you've got financial troubles. It's causing a stress and strain. You've got anxiety because of your financial situation. That's fine. Now we go to God and we bring it up in prayer and supplication to God. And we seek Him in how He wants to deal with it. And that might be quitting your job, changing careers, being more faithful in your job, persevering. It might be opening up your budget with somebody and allowing someone else to speak into you. God's ways are not our ways. But it starts with allowing God to tell you what you need to do today. Not what you need to do tomorrow or the day after, but what are you responsible for today? When you read further on in Luke where that scripture was coming from, he talks about Jesus coming back at an hour when we do not expect. And what will he find the servants of the household doing? Will they be doing the master's work or will they be doing something else? And I had the analogy for myself in this mind. Assuming my wife and I are going out dinner night, date night, and we get to go our way, and we leave the kids at home. And we know the state of the kitchen when we left. And we tell them, please enjoy yourselves, watch TV, play computer games, really don't mind, but please, before we get home, make sure the kitchen is tidy. Now, I'm guessing most of my kids, if I know them well enough, they're not going to tidy up first. <laughs> They'll probably do their own thing first. The question is, when are they going to stop 
what they want to do and do what the master of the house asked them to do? Will they do it before the master of the house returns? The master of the house. You like that one, Logan? (laughs) I've been in similar situations. And I know that in those moments, I can enjoy doing what I want to do. But there's still this niggle that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that itself causes worry and stress and strain. If we are able to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, we will be in His perfect will. And we'll be doing what the master of the house is expecting of us to do. Now becomes the glorious part. Yes, that hasn't changed your bank balance at the end of the month, but you're just focusing on today. But now we can work in faith, trusting that I have done what God's asked of me to do. The rest, in faith, I can live in His responsibility. And there is the big catch that we now need to start doing. We need to start being people that walk in faith, letting go of what we think we're responsible for, and letting God take control of that. Now, we know the truth of that in some form or fashion. We know that you can't bring anybody to salvation. You might be worried about a family member that's not saved. Can you bring them to Christ? Ultimately, no, you can't. It's not, your, it's not within your power to do that. All you can do is accurately represent Christ to them. But ultimately, it's God that saves, not you. So can you worry about that? Can you be anxious about that? It's not your responsibility. It's God's. If you believe God is your provider, can you be anxious about your finances and worried about where your money is going to come from? No. All you can do is be faithful with what God's asked you today to do. Do you have your health in your control? Well, there's something can happen to you any moment of the day, and diseases come from every corner. To some extent, you can be faithful with with the body that God's given you, and be healthy and not do stupid things. But to another degree, you also can't control what happens tomorrow. And yet we worry about it. We take stresses and strains about it. Because we feel like we want to be in control. We are not walking by faith when that happens. I don't have answers for the things that are causing you stress and strains in your life. I don't have answers for the worries and concerns for you. Each situation is different. Each person's journey is unique. But what I do have is a way to help you identify what you're doing about it. Are you walking in your own strength, relying on your own power, believing you can do it, Another scripture says, we should not think too highly of ourselves. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. For me, I can translate to that as, but I can provide. I can solve the problem. I can make it happen. Assuming I can get off my, and start working and actually do the plans. But it's, it's, it's fear 
that's stopping me from letting go. It's fear that's holding me back to walk from faith. And we are not people called to walk by, by fear. <laughs> we are people called to walk by faith. Galatians 2.20 puts it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The awesome news is we have got a God that loves us. He truly and deeply loves us. In Luke, we were told it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We've got a God, a Father, who is for us. As Stefan spoke a couple of weeks ago, Abba, we have that personal relationship with him. And we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what in the natural we can't. And that is to walk by faith. And if we can let go of the flesh and grab hold of Christ, we can succeed in what we've been failing at. We can succeed in letting go of worry and grabbing on to what is far more beautiful. For me personally, a big part of this would also be uh, what we read in Romans 12. I'll read that for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Especially that last part is where I need to take a lot of action. I need to allow my mind to change the habits that I have been having and allow them to be renewed into God's, God's patterns. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of God's, or the faith God has given you. That's a little scripture I mentioned earlier as well. So I don't know about you, but th this week, as I was preparing with this, those familiar feelings of stress and strains and anxiety came up quite frequently. And it was quite interesting to, to process them in those moments and understand my own reactions to them. Uh, and just to self-identify. Why are they happening? And what's the cause behind them? But also, as I prepared, prepared for this, I also felt a release and a joy and an excitement that is a peace that's beyond my circumstances. And I think that's the joy that God has given available for us. That we can have a peace that is beyond our understanding and beyond our circumstances because of our perspective change. That we've become a people that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that excited me. That gave me enthusiasm to not deny my circumstances, but to find the joy in spite of my circumstances. Fimka mentioned this week to me as well, is 
what's nice about our, what's true about our, our walk as Christians is we know the end. We all know the end. God's going to return. He's going to be glorified. And we will be with Him into eternity. It's a glorious end. To some degree, we know the current situation. We can identify our, our circumstances or our, our health or our bank balances or our relationships. We know our circumstances. The catch is the bit in between. <laughs> That's where we get worried. We get worried about the next. But the scripture is clear. We are in God's hands if we allow ourselves to be. If we surrender and sacrifice, become that living sacrifice, pleasing to our Lord, we can have a journey that is beautiful and responsible. And a journey that we can celebrate with one another. And then these words can become true. Once I find them. Um, yes. Finally, brothers. This is from Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be doing that with my time on this earth than spending that same time with my worries and my troubles and my anxieties. Which one of these two options sounds more entertaining, sounds more joyful, sounds more exciting, sounds more exhilarating? To spend our times with our worries or to spend our time with whatever is excellent and is glorious? What do you choose? What do you want to do? So the next time you start worrying, because it's going to happen. <laughs> it's not that we're going to stop worrying. But the next time you start, take the moment to self-identify. Realize what you're doing. And in that moment, drop your knee. And start in prayer. And acknowledge that God, this is not your way. And from then, we can take a journey that's different. And walk by faith. I'd like to just, can I just pray over us? Can I just, shall we close our eyes? And let, let us pray for us. Father, I want to thank you that you have shown us a better way. That you acknowledge the trials and turbulations that we have in this world. That you are familiar with them, having come down from heaven and experienced this world as a human. Being both fully human and fully God. And in that space, you have given us wisdom and guidance. And you've shown us a better path. You've shown us a calling on how we as Christians can live by your power. A lifestyle that pleases you and benefits us. Would you help us in all our ways to live by faith and not by sight? And I speak for myself and possibly others here. Will you forgive me for when I haven't done so? When I've either taken control, 